You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. The 757 is steeped in high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give local sports the spotlight it deserves every single night. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. Seven five seven at six ESPN Radio ninety four point one. I thought maybe our little track in the seven five seven heater had come to a close. Nope, just laying low. If you don't know what I'm talking about, we track the seven five seven here on the seven five seven at six, and what that means is we find athletes from here with a connection here. Maybe they went to ODU high school here, born here, raised here, grew up here in Hampton Roads, and as they chase big and lofty goals. We track their progress. And, you know, we've had a tremendous amount of success in that we pick a player and we're like, hey, we think they're going to be interesting over the next six months. Let's start tracking them. They overwhelmingly play really, really well. Now, I'm not saying it's our, our, saying it's because of us, but I'm saying we've had a tremendous amount of probably luck with the fact that we start tracking them and they start playing well, or they, they continue playing well, or they level up and, and get better. And then Josh Sweat happened, and and it looked like we were on the normal trajectory, right? We started tracking about midseason, and it was like two sacks, one sack, sack and a half, two sacks, bunch of quarterback hits, bunch of quarterback pressures. Whoa, look at this. Eagles winning. Eagles winning. Josh Sweat playing well. Josh Sweat playing well. He's from uh, Chesapeake, Oscar Smith guy. Uh, At one point was the number one recruit in the country. Injury ended up being like 12th. Whoa, what a a fall. Um, Fourth round pick. He's on one of the Super Bowl favorites. And then the Eagles started slumping, I would say, or appeared to be slumping at the end of the regular season. And then Josh Sweat had like a like a mediocre game and then a game where he got hurt. And we're talking carted off. We're talking very scary. Uh, you know, one of those scary neck hits where you're like, this could be something. And I was like, uh-oh. Obviously, first thought, uh-oh, for for Josh, for his family, for everybody that that knows him, cares about him, Chesapeake area, that that is, you know, it's always scary having to watch somebody you know go out that way from a game. And then on top of that, his team wasn't playing very well. He wasn't quite as dynamic, and it's like, uh, what's going on here? Maybe our heater is over. Maybe our lucky streak is done. Nah, it turns out uh, over the bye week, because they did earn that bye, he got healthy, he was cleared, he's ready to play. He goes into the game against the Giants, and his team shows that the slump wasn't really a slump. They were just coasting to the finish. And then he shows that he wasn't being ineffective. The team just was coasting to the finish. And he shows up against the Giants, and what does he do? A sack and a half, two quarterback hits, some even more dynamic, impressive uh, roles that the team put him in, and then also dynamic, impressive results from those decisions. His team wins 38-7. to They are, once again, one of the favorites to win the Super Bowl. They are in the NFC Championship game, and next week he's going to have an opportunity to rush a seventh-round rookie in Brock Purdy and try to remind everybody that he is a seventh-round rookie. Now I want to talk about that role I was talking about. We, we mentioned this, or I mentioned this, earlier on the Tim Donnelly show. But there was a play that shows 
how much the Eagles trust Josh Sweat, how much the Giants respect Josh Sweat, and just how freakishly athletic that guy is. So Saquon Barkley, we all know him, very athletic individual, to put it as uh, simply as you can possibly put it, right? Saquon Barkley, that running back that was drafted number two overall at a time when running backs weren't being drafted in the first round. Uh, that guy, I was watching the game, Giants-Eagles, and they sent Saquon on a bubble. And this is in real time, right? So I didn't, this isn't me tracking Josh Sweat. This is me just watching the game. They sent Saquon on a bubble and a defensive end ran with him. And I went, like as a quarterback, eyes got like saucers, right? Start start salvating a little bit. I'm like, you have Saquon Barkley. What appears to be man-to-man with a defensive end on a bubble route, which is nothing but a fancy in open field. Throw it. Throw it to Saquon. Throw it to Saquon. Throw it to Saquon. Because I always root for the offense in games. I'm not a I don't have a fan of either side. I was looking at DJ going, throw it to Saquon, throw it to Saquon. And he didn't. He just didn't throw it to him. Now I'm thinking maybe he didn't see it. Maybe I look and then on the like the the replay, I see who was lined up at that defensive end spot, and it was Josh Sweat. Again, layers to this. First of all, the Eagles drew up a defense in which if Saquon Barkley runs on a bubble, Josh Sweat is the guy responsible for him. Normally, you draw up those responsibilities, and the defensive line coach raises his hand and go, Are you sure, coach? What's that? Martindale. Wink Martindale's their defensive coordinator. You go, Wink. Wink. You might even wink at him. Wink. You want Josh one-on-one with with Saquon? Yep. Okay. All right. That just shows how confident they are in him, right? There are situations where you don't want your like best tackling linebacker one-on-one in the open field with with Saquon. But you know, all right, Josh got him. And then the fact that that didn't set off some kind of auto trigger to the the to first of all, DJ to throw it, but hey, maybe that wasn't part of the progression, so he went somewhere else because it was open. I don't remember how the play even ended up. But uh but how about this? The Giants didn't see that and go, let's run that play 75 more times. Right? They didn't see that and say, All right, when when sweat is lined up at this DN, let's bubble Saquon and just get to him for a gain of eight every time. They didn't do that. That's the Giants respecting sweat. That and and then the fact that he was even out there with him shows how athletic the guy is. That is the type of athleticism that makes you the number one overall recruit in the country. Right? He, at one point in time, was the number one recruit in the country. To be an edge rusher or an outside linebacker, defensive end, number one recruit in the country, you have to be Jadavion Clowney. You have to be, uh, Robert Kimdichie was this way. Guys that you just look at and go, oh, they're different. You look at and you go, you know what? They could probably be like a X wide receiver. They could flank out. These guys are pretty athletic. Like you think of that and that's what Josh Sweat is. And somehow, and this is where Howie Roseman, the, the GM of the Eagles deserves a whole bunch of credit. They got him in the fourth round. He went to, to Florida state where he was productive, right? I'm not going to say he was otherworldly, but he was productive You know he's going to test through the roof. Left early, so it's not like he was a scrub. They got him in the fourth round. 
which allows you to have all of these other edge rushers and Fletcher Cox and Brandon uh, Graham, you get Hassan Reddick, you can have all this other stuff, and then Josh Sweat there because he's a fourth round pick that you gave whatever forty million dollars on a second contract. Led the team in sacks, tied with Reddick in the game, a sack and a half each. And now they get to go chase down Brock Purdy, and you know what? We're like. There is an element of when you play the Niners, and we're going to talk about this this uh, matchup on the Tim Donnelly show and probably on the 757 at 6 throughout the week, but Trent Williams does kind of eliminate one, right? You put your edge rusher over there, chances are that guy's getting bottled up. Fine. Right? Okay, you put Josh Sweat over there, you got Hassan Reddick on the other side. Or flip it, Right? Those two guys will at least make Williams work and whoever's on the other side is going to have a chance to get after the quarterback. That defense is is talented. Very much so. Robert Quinn even. You know, I, I thought they did a good job during that game at uh, the broadcast crew. At the end of the game, right, most of, I would say, like the super-duper stars for the Eagles weren't getting as many reps and they were like, look at this. Most of the starters are on the bench. They have Indomitian Sue. They have Robert Quint. Like they had all of these guys who like the, the legit talents would be first teamers on, on, on many other rosters. And the Eagles didn't need to. So Josh Sweat, I mean, for everything we just said, is not just one of the guys. But on the Eagles, he's kind of just that Eagles defensive front seven is kind of just one of the guys, which is a compliment to the Eagles, not a downgrade to Josh Sweat. So we're going to need another sack, maybe two, just to keep our, our heater going on track in the 757. But, you know, history would say we're going to get it from sweat. Uh, this is the 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at ESPN Radio 941. You can also follow me at Donnelly Sports. That's D-O-N-N-E-L-L-Y-S-P-O-R-T-S. All of our social media is brought to you by Dominion Floor Covering. We'll be back with more of the 757 at 6 after this. Every weeknight, giving you all you need to know about high school and college sports in the 757. It's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1 on a Monday. If you track recruiting in Virginia, football, college football recruiting, you and if you listen to the show and listen to us talk about recruiting in the state of Virginia in the Commonwealth, um, you've heard us talk about Penn State, and you've heard us talk about Penn State coming down to Virginia and leaving with a bunch of good players. You know, like uh, Keandre Lambert Smith as one who had uh, this year. Ready for this? The longest touchdown catch in the history of the Rose Bowl. He's from from seven five seven. He's playing for Penn State. Uh, James Franklin, I, I don't know if this this is 100% true, but it seems like he has an apartment somewhere in the area, and and he he comes down here often and leaves with, with recruits. Actually, maybe he doesn't have an apartment. He just drives down and then drives right back up with all, a whole bunch of good players. This is still a new one, though. Now they're not only coming down here and taking the good players, they're taking coaches with connection to the area. If you missed the news... Um, Taylor Stubblefield was a pretty good wide receivers coach for Penn State. They parted ways with him, okay? Whatever the reason, maybe they didn't like something he was doing. I don't know. Don't pretend to know uh, what, what Coach Franklin is thinking of. But they moved on from Coach Stubblefield. 
So they had an opening at the wide receiver position. They went to UVA. They looked at their wide receivers coach and said, that looks nice. I'll have one of those. Marcus Higgins is now the wide receivers coach for Penn State, leaving the same position at UVA. Now, Marcus Higgins, Hampton High. Marcus Higgins went to UVA as a player. He was a multi-year pro football player, NFL guy. Then he went to UVA, and he has connections to the area, and he's recruiting to the UVA, and he's keeping a lot of very good players from our area in state, which I'm always a fan of because when football is good in our region, it raises the electricity and the excitement surrounding the sport. Higgins is very well thought of. I've had uh, many conversations with Dwight Vick, who speaks very highly of, of Higgins, another local guy, went on to, to play college in, in, in the state. He played at Virginia Tech, obviously. Um, now Penn State has Higgins. So that's just another guy that is going to have great relationships with all the high school coaches and high school programs in the area that is going to be looking to bring players up north to State College, Pennsylvania. Penn State's gonna have, gonna get everyone, aren't they? Everybody. They're just gonna, they're like the top because you know you go on two four seven sports, you look up state rankings. Just gonna be like, and by the way, Dre Bly still, still, he'll probably end up at Penn State, or if he's not, at least he's not taking players away from Penn State. So you know what would had been a top ten for the Commonwealth of Virginia, top ten recruits, it would be Penn State, UNC, Penn State, UNC, Penn State, Clemson, UNC, Penn State. Now it's just going to be Penn State, Penn State, Penn State, Penn State. Hagens was at UVA as their wide receivers coach from 2013 to 2022. Now obviously that's a lot of Bronco Mendenhall years, but it also says something that, uh, it also says something that, the new coach, right? Tony Elliott showed up, and Tony Elliott can recruit now, right? Tony Elliott, Clemson. Do you think they they weren't recruiting when when he was the offensive coordinator at Clemson? He can recruit. Showed up, kept Hagens on his staff. Why? Because he recognized the value of his connection to the seven five seven. And UVA turned out some pretty good wide receivers. Dontavian Wicks is expected to be uh, a draft pick this year. We're talking like top three or four rounds. Penn State more so than any other out-of-region team, understands the value that that is the ground upon which we live. More so than any other team in the country understands that if you can have a pipeline from Hampton Roads to your campus, you're going ha- to stumble into some good players. They'll be the obvious ones, right? Because there's always a couple. There's always a four-star, five-star that that you know has the offers to Alabama and Georgia and Clemson and Michigan and Ohio State and all of USC, right? There's always going to be a couple of those in the area. But then there's also going to be some lower four-stars or some high three-stars that if you just stay vigilant of searching this area and keeping your relationships up, you're going to stumble into some players. And And Penn State understands that. Right, they're they're not moving on like Virginia Tech had had, and and they're making it a priority, and I respect them for it. But they had some players, the previous staff, sorry, had some coaches that had connections to the area. They moved away from it. North Carolina had some some coaches, Dre Bly, on their staff with connections to the area. They moved away from it. Penn State is moving towards it. They're bringing in more. They already dominate recruiting Virginia as far as a team from outside the region, and they're looking to get better at it. 
Think about that. It's the equivalent of, and I know it's not exactly the same, but it's equivalent of like the Bengals drafting a wide receiver in the first round. So wait a second, you have Jamar Chase, you have T. Higgins, you have Tyler Boyd, and now you want Jordan Addison? Really? The Penn State's going like, you already have this guy, you have that guy, you have a, a stud running back from the area, you have a stud receiver from the area, you have a stud linebacker from the area, you have a stud defensive lineman from the area, uh, and, and now you're bringing in reinforcements to recruit this area better? Meanwhile, a bunch of other schools are going, well, you know, we think we'll still be able to do it even without our connections. I, 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 I tend to think Penn State is the, doing it the, the, the better way. And that's not just me being biased and saying this area is, you know, a hotbed for recruiting. That, I mean, it's known this area is a hotbed for recruiting. Even going back, you know, and, and this is just shows the respect this area has. Um, and first of all, I understand recruiting to, to UVA or, or Penn State and recruiting to Delaware is different. But uh, we brought in a wide receiver to Delaware when I was playing there. And our coach said, we offered him off a highlight film. Never talked to him. I was like, what? He said, there's only two places we do that. So it's okay. What, what He said, Hampton Roads and 6A football in Florida. If you put together a highlight film that is impressive enough and you are in those two areas, it's like, well, we'll do it. And there was one. We had a wide receiver from Tampa Plant as well. Similar deal. He, he and, and I saw the highlight film, right? I was in there watching film. I was like, Coach, can I see it? You offered a wide receiver off of just highlight films? She's actually two of them. They were both coming in the class. I was like, can I see highlight films? And it was pretty impressive. But normally, like, you know, the the um, Mac McClung of it all, right? Mac McClung was a ba- basketball player in Gate City, Virginia. I don't know if there's a better high school highlight film on the planet, but immediately everyone said, how tough was the competition? Right, and it turns out it wasn't that great. He ended up being a, you know, trust me, a power five prospect. But if you put together that highlight film in some cities, you are in the NBA in twenty minutes. Uh, I was watching this highlight film, and I was going like, "Wow, you're that confident that the competition level is good enough that if he can do this, he's like, yeah, he's from the seven five seven." I was like, "All right," and then he showed up, and it was he was pretty darn good. So was the kid from Florida. I'm like, "All right, I see why you 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 offered them without talking to them." Uh, the kid from Florida ended up being a character. I'm not sure how that would have uh, impacted everything. But it does feel like Penn State kind of has that same same deal. They're like, if you perform in the 757, we'll offer you. And if you need to be convinced, we're going to hire guys that speak your language, grew up eating the same food, listening to the same music because they're from the same place as you. And that's what Hagen's checks off for them. 7576 ESPN Radio 94.1. We have to catch up on ODU men's basketball. They lost to App State by 14 over the weekend as they look to grow their identity. Uh, we'll break down the stats and the numbers and what we can learn from that one coming up next. All over Hampton Roads. For the best in local high school and college sports talk, it's the 757 at 6 on ESPN Radio 94.1. 757 at 6 ESPN Radio 94.1. I'm Tim Donnelly, Robbie Vogler, keeping us up and running, as he so often does. ODU, uh, men's basketball, by the way. After that Georgia State win, I really wanted them to take off. 
didn't exactly get going. App State over the weekend, 72-58. It was a win for App State. They led it half, 33-26. So it was a, it was kind of an arm's distance game the, the entire way. And to track a few things that, that we, uh, we've been tracking all year, um, the toughness element of it, I, I, I'm going to give them a pass, right? They were out-rebounded 39-29, but on the offensive glass, they were right there in the mix. And I think offensive rebounding is more of a toughness thing. Defense is more of a positioning and size thing. So, so you know, I, I know Coach, meaning Jeff Jones, called them, called them out right around the new year uh, for their their toughness, their softness. I'm, I'm looking at it. I'm going, I think, I think we're okay here. Would have liked to have seen them draw more, more free throws and, and kind of force the issue. But the fact of the matter is when you get behind – you're going to have to to play more less trudging of a game if that makes any sense. The thing that that is going to frustrate me all year is it just doesn't appear as if Old Dominion has the shooters. It doesn't appear as if they have the shooters and that's going to put them into a hard predicament if and when they aren't jumping out to leads. Right, we, judging off of the the Georgia State game, which is a game they had in control, they were controlling the tempo. They won by you know a, a decent margin. I think their ideal game, they're going to have 10, 12 three point attempts, and they're going to shoot efficiently from two, and they're they're going to drive, and, and they're going to work the ball horizontally to to create openings, and they're going to slash. The problem is when you find yourself behind in college basketball. You have to shoot the three to get back into a game. And if you don't have the shooters and and you're trying to do that, it's going to be tough. They shot 22 threes, made seven of them. Now 31, 32%, which is what that comes out to be. It's not the end of the world, but it's just not the way they want to play. It's not the way they want to play, especially when App State's knocking down 40% of their threes. So it's going to be a more difficult spot for them to, 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 to be in, right? Now, if they're not shooting unbelievably efficient from the two and they're shooting threes, which isn't their bread and butter, they're going to be a little fish out of the water until somebody starts knocking them down. Now, if that doesn't happen, that's where, you know, being out rebounded, that's where not getting to the free throw line, that kind of stuff, it, it becomes way more important. So I'm like, I'm, I'm not, like I said, the toughness thing, I'm not getting on them a ton for being out rebounded by 10. But if you're going to be out rebounded by 10, that means they have so many more possessions, you have to be that much more efficient on offense. And if you're already playing a style of basketball that requires high efficiency, meaning you're not taking as many threes, so your true shooting percentage has to be through the roof on twos. I mean, if if you're having that many less possessions, you really have to, uh, I mean, you got to be shooting like 80% or something like that, and they didn't do it. And because of that, you lose the game and, and you're kind of at arm's distance for much of it. Losing by 14. Not ideal. And it could have been worse. It could have. I'm not saying it should have. It could have. Right? There's there's certain other little parts of the game, like they shot the, the free throws well. Um, they actually got little sticky fingers and turnovers on defense and, and, and things like that. But with with 
Again, without threes in modern college basketball, you have to do so much else well. Think of the three, right? It's all, it's kind of the end of football season, but we still think of it and we're still we're still paying attention to, to football, especially in the NFL. Think of of the three as like um a chunk play. Right? Like a like a passing passing play of more than 20 yards. You can either do that or you can do six plays of four yards each, right? Both of them will get you down, you know, down uh, 20, 25 yards of, of progress, but one of them opens up six opportunities for you to make a mistake, right? Six opportunities to fumble, six opportunities for you not to be on the same page with your offensive line and a check, six opportunities for you to mishandle or throw an interception or have a ball tipped at the line. So that's kind of what ODU is up against, right? Other team makes a three, you have to be crazy efficient and you have to, uh, you know, drive efficiently, kick, redrive, attack the closeout, get to the bucket, finish. They dribble down, shoot a three. Then you have to set set up a play, uh, probe the defense, do all those sorts of things, and it just gives you more opportunities to make a mistake. So you have to play essentially much more mistake-free and and – that's the, the 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 burden you have to bear if you're this team. Like I said, like if you don't have the shooters, you don't have the shooters. We've talked about that also. Um, you know, there's. I'd much rather have you try to play a mistake-free game than have a bunch of guys that that aren't shooters hoisting them up because you got to keep pace. So then, do what you do, not what what the other team is doing. Right, play your own game. You're just going to have to do it extremely efficiently. They shot 33.9% overall. If you're shooting 34 from three, all right, we can talk about it. You're shooting 34% and you're supposed to be a highly efficient drive and finish near the bucket team. Now we get to the point where uh, it's going to be really difficult for you to overcome those, those, those deficiencies rather than efficiencies, right? And you lose by 14 in conference. Now you're three and five in conference. It's not the end of the world. Definitely still time to work on it. Definitely still time to get better. Definitely still time to to continue to feel and and, and adjust. And that's where you're at. Time to feel and adjust. And also maybe you do, you know, a couple guys establish themselves as shooters. That's always a possibility as well. Jenkins seems to be, if he's feeling it, he can knock him down. So Maybe the ball's not in his hands as much and you're using him for the spacing and he's willing to, to catch and pull the trigger. Mix up rolls. It's not going to be easy, but I, I still think the potential is there. I'm Tim Donnelly. This is the 757 at 6. Robbie's going to close out the show with Robbie's Roundout here on a Monday. We'll be back tomorrow for more. Until then, I'm out. Enjoy Robbie's Roundout coming up next. The clock is running out on the 757 at 6. That means it's time for Robbie's Roundup. Oh, wait a minute. It's Robbie's Round About or Robbie's Round Out. Whatever he's calling it today, here's Robbie Vogler on ESPN Radio 94.1. That's right. It is the 757 at 6. Robbie's Round Out is what we are calling it today. And I had, I don't know if it's an epiphany. I don't even know if that's the right word, but I think it may be. I had the realization over the weekend, and this is Robbie's Roundout on the 757 at 6. Pitbull Tobacco and More text line is always open, as you know, 
687-9494 is the number if you have any thoughts, propositions, topics, or you just kind of want to you want to vent. That's fine. We're there for you. We see every text that, that rolls in. Sometimes we respond. Sometimes we don't. It just depends on the day and the volume. But if you've been listening to the Tim Donnelly Show every Thursday, we do a snake draft. And the reason this kind of popped my mind is in that last commercial break, Wild Wing came up. And we've been to Wild Wing Cafe before. We love the place. We, I'm sure, will will head on over there. You know, during the March Madness week, hopefully. But during the the snake draft, the the person that that has the least amount of touchdowns throughout the year in our anytime touchdown score snake draft, it was Thursday night football. Now it's just every game during the playoffs has to eat the hottest wings possible. And I'm not sure if I've ever is- expressed my fear for this other than to my, to my close family and friends and my wife, my wife hears about this on a weekly basis. I am terrified. I'm down by like six or seven touchdowns and I am terrified of eating the hottest wings. No matter what they are. I don't even care. I mean, I struggle with like Asian zing at Buffalo Wild Wings. And you guys are going to, and, and, and we are going to make myself eat the hottest wings possible somewhere, whether it's the hot ones, whether it's at a sports bar locally. But I need tips. I'm already, I'm already throwing, I'm not throwing in the towel yet because there is still two more weekends of football. But I'm, I need to start getting some, some pointers. If you are somebody out there that does not like hot wings or you are somebody out there that loves hot wings but has some ideas of how I can kind of get myself prepared, 757-687-9494 is the text line, the Pitbull Tobacco and More text line. I need all the pointers I can get. And I'm not just trying to say, okay, you need to start, you know, downing some ranch dressing a couple days out because I don't know if that's going to, you know, really work well. I still obviously have to work. But I'm just saying I'm very I'm very scared, I'm very nervous about about the whole thing. And I don't know if I've ever admitted that to to the listeners, to you. And, and now that we have this special connection every week, every, you know, you know, every full seven, five, seven at six, it happens a lot more now during the basketball season. I feel like I'm connected to all the listeners out there. And I appreciate all of your, your texts, your calls, all the, the, the back and forth that we have on social media at Robbie Vogler on Twitter, but I need some help. I need some ways to prepare myself to eat the hottest wings possible in about you know, three, four weeks. So if you have any ideas, if you have any pointers, 757-687-9494. That's the Pitbull Tobacco and More text line. Just, you know, send in, hey, Robbie, I'm thinking of you. Here's some advice on how to eat or how to make eating the hottest wings possible not so bad. Anyway, we talk all the time on the 757 and 6 on Robbie's Roundout on the Tim Donnelly Show. Regardless, we talk all the time about admiring and enjoying greatness as it, as it's in front of us. Darnell Dozier 
Princess Anne, girls basketball coach, is is having is one of the best basketball coaches, not only in the state of Virginia, not only in the 757, but in the country. Over the weekend on the 20th, I believe that's that was on Thursday or Friday. Friday, he picked up his 700th career victory as Princess Anne's girls basketball coach. Now, I, I saw this on, on the 757 of teams, and I get a lot of my, my topics and my ideas from the pilot. They do incredible work over there, and I, I, I did not know any of this. I, obviously, I've heard of Darnell and, and, and his, his greatness, but 700 career victories at Princess Anne. Here's his resume. This is his 28th season as the head coach of the Princess Anne uh, girls basketball team. He has 12 state championships, eight consecutive state titles that only ended last season, 15 state championship game appearances, and he holds the record for 13 consecutive state championship games before last season. Now, all that to be said, holy crap. We need to appreciate what we have in our backyard coaching our young women here in the 757 over at Princess Anne. Coach Dozier, what he has done, what he has been able to do as a coach over the last 28 years is nothing short of remarkable. And I think so often... We as, as as sports commentators, we as athletes, we as coaches ourselves can kind of get caught up in, in what the athletes are accomplishing, which is very important. I don't think any coach would tell you that they're the most important person on that team. They wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to find a coach on a high school program, no matter what the sport is, that would say, I'm the most important person on this team. You just wouldn't be able to find it. But Coach Dozier out of Princess Anne is is having a run that I don't know if we will ever see again. First off, he's been coaching for 28 years. Pretty incredible. It's, it's, it's one of the most incredible things that and stories that you talk about when you're talking about, okay, what, what are some great things that you hear in the area? You hear about athletes. You hear about all the Olympians, the NFL players that come from the 757. You rarely hear about the coaches that come from the 757 and move their way up. And it's very rare to think about a coach that is as good as Coach Dozier and think to yourself, okay, well, you know something? He is one of the greatest coaches of all time. And I'm not just talking about women's basketball. I'm talking about every sport all time and any level. The longevity that he's had, the success that he has had, unbelievable. And I needed to to appreciate him today because I don't think he's getting enough praise for his 700th career victory at Princess Anne. It's unbelievable. You never, you may never see it again. I don't think you will ever see it again. So if you are in the area, there's still some basketball left. Go check out a Princess Anne women's basketball game. Because you are going to see history personified on that sideline. And again, I understand the coaches will never say they're the most important and they are the, 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 the only reason to go to a basketball game. I'm telling you right now, go to a basketball game for Princess Anne for the girls, not only to watch what they're doing, because they are pretty darn good as well. 
but also to, to watch one of the best coaches of all time coach those young ladies at Princess Anne. That's going to wrap things up for the 757 at 6. Got a big week coming up. A full show, I'm pretty sure, every single day this week. That means Robbie's Roundout. Every single day this week, Thursday, I believe we're going to be out at the Chartway Arena kicking things off. We're going to have the Tim Donnelly show out there. 757 at 6 is going to be out there. The women's basketball team, which I promise we will touch on before Thursday, is going to be in action on Thursday at the Chartway Arena. Get your tickets now before they sell out. Should be a lot of fun. They are doing very well. Had a very good weekend over this past week, and we'll talk about that later this week as well. 757 at 6, rounding out Robbie's roundout, saying so long. We will talk to you tomorrow for Tim Donnelly. I'm Robbie Vogler saying later.